Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I'm on the phone with Brian, and today we're going to be discussing The House of the Devil, the 2009 horror film written and directed by T. West, or Ty West? What is it, Ty? Yeah, I think it's Ty West. Ty West. I keep wanting to call him like T.I., like that rapper. Yeah, you called him T.I. back in the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Ty West, uh, and starring Jocelyn Donahue, uh, Tim Noonan, and Greta Gerwig. This is a film about a college student who takes on a suspicious babysitter gig. Um, Brian, uh, we've seen this one before, right? Yeah, I feel like we may have even watched it and like had a discussion and given our ratings and everything. I forgot to check our spreadsheet. Oh, are you serious? We might already like have a recording of this episode. <laughs> No, I mean, we didn't record it, but back when we were just doing this for fun. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Not for the millions of dollars we're making. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was, that was back <laughs> amateur days. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, did, did we watch it, like, together, or was that, like, while we were apart? You know what, man? We may have actually watched this in person. Yeah, that, that's kind of, I was trying to remember, like, I feel like we might have seen it in Chicago. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just one that it's been kind of kicking around in my head and I've seen some, uh, ads for it on Amazon and thought I'd check it out. Had it been, you hadn't seen it again since we saw it? No, I haven't seen it and I've been wanting to rewatch it. So I'm glad you chose it. Yeah. I mean, um, I guess we both must have like thought of it fondly when we saw it the first time. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. did. Yeah. So something. it's always fun to reexamine those and see if you still like them or still think what you thought of it before. Yeah, and when you're watching, I mean, eleven years later, right, right, and and when you were watching this one, like, did you remember a lot of it? Yeah, yeah, I did. You know, maybe I've seen it one more time since then, but I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I don't know what's wrong with you, man. But I was watching it, and a lot of it felt like it was the first time I was watching it, which uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it's a it's, it's a slow one, so it's it's I, yeah, I, I can imagine it. It's not like a very eventful movie that you remember specific plot points on. Yeah. Thing, yeah. Your memory isn't the best either. That's true. That's true. Too. I worry about that sometimes, but that's right. <laughs> that's our discussions with other people, I guess. Uh, uh, hey, man, before we get too far, I want to share a cool thing that happened. Yeah. So, I, well, you already know about it, but I want to oh. give a shout out. So I listened to this podcast called Movie Crush. It's a movie podcast done by one of the guys who does the Stuff You Should Know podcast. Mm-hmm. Um. And one of the things they'll do on that podcast is like read questions or like comments from listeners from the Facebook page. And there was this dude, AJ, that recently liked our page and his name sounded familiar to me. And I was like, I feel like I've heard Chuck from the Movie Crush podcast read this on air. Mm -hmm. So I searched the Movie Crushers fan page on Facebook for his name and saw that he had posted our podcast on that page and was like, hey, everybody check this out. Oh. So that was what I, that like picture i sent you so aj yeah. that was a huge deal for me because i i'm a huge stuff you should know and movie crush fan so thanks for spreading the word appreciate it Damn. and anybody looking for a good like movie community on facebook the movie crushers page is is solid everybody there's really respectful which is a miracle considering there's a lot of people there so cool it's a cool place to talk about movies i'll have to check that out and, and it's not a podcast it's just like a facebook forum well, the the podcast is called Movie Crush, and their oh. like fan page is called the Movie Crushers. I think. Oh, okay, okay. Cover yeah. cover all genres. Yep. Yeah. Cool. I'll just check that out. That's awesome. I'm glad that uh, made your day. It's kind of cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, AJ. It really did make my day. Yeah. 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 Thanks. 
Um, well, cool. I'll check that out. Um, so then, uh, on this movie, so this, this is the fifth film by this, uh, director, or at least the fifth film he directed. Uh, he's done Innkeepers, Sacrament, uh, short in VHS, which I feel like we've seen all of those. What do you think? Uh, yeah, we have. I think I've seen all of his stuff except Cabin, Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the best of it all. <laughs> well, he asked to have his name removed from it. Oh, really? He Why? thought the final product was so bad. I think he thought the producers meddled in it quite a bit and edited it like crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. That's always a bad sign. Yeah. Just take, take my name yeah. off of this. Uh, that's rough. I don't think this was his fifth movie, was it? I thought it was the fifth film he directed. Yeah. You, you don't think so? Really? Okay. Maybe. Um, I thought like the sacrament was after this, and no, I actually think yeah, sacrament. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I think sacrament and innkeepers uh, came after this. Um, this kind of feels like his first like big film in a way, but yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong though. If you find out later, yeah, I didn't. I didn't write down the order, so we'll just keep rolling. All right. Um, it also seems like in the last five years, he's moved away from films and is doing more of like TV shows. Like, I guess there's a TV show called The Exorcist. There's one called Scream. And he's like just done episodes for those. Yeah. Yep. Have you seen these shows? So, I haven't seen. I don't really watch horror TV much. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. You might be missing out. I feel like horror TV is, is taking on uh, its own thing. Like, Yeah. I mean, it's popular nowadays. There's some big shows, but... Yeah. I just, uh, I can't really get wrapped into shows that aren't like 30 minute sitcoms. I just, I yeah. don't want to like commit that much time. Yeah. And shows are like, like so long. I mean, a whole season's going to be like 10 hours or something versus yeah. a two hour movie. Yeah. It's a big time commitment. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. But it seems like popular culture and everything is moving away towards that. Yeah. I agree. Unfortunately. Um, so yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was his fifth film, and then uh, I look like a failure on paper. Um, Nine hundred thousand budget, and only made like a hundred thousand dollars in the box office. Well, they only released it in like two hundred theaters or something like that. Okay, you think it covered another eight hundred thousand dollars in rentals? It may have even been. Uh, le- I can't remember how many theaters, but it was limited. It was very limited. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, it may have very well made its money back. They don't have to spend a whole bunch of money on advertising for stuff like this either. So, And it's kind of become a classic among horror fans. Right, yeah. I feel like it's a pretty well-known name, and this director especially. Uh, yeah, I feel like you're right. It's probably got a lot more uh, viewership at this point. Yeah. But um, but you, you, don't, you really think it made its money back at least? Yeah, I mean, it was only 900000 I bet it made its money back on... VOD and, and DVD and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, have you heard of a subgenre of horror called mumble gore? No. What's that? <laughs> this is it. What? This is it? Yeah. So there's this subgenre of movies called mumblecore, which is a genre of low budget films characterized by naturalistic dialogue and performances and that are like more character driven than plot driven mm-hmm. and tre- tend to focus on characters in their 20s and 30s. Yep. With kind of like aimless existences. It was a trend in the aughts. Yeah. And then the horror like equivalent of that has been known as mumble gore. So this, wow. You're Next, The Sacrament, VHS, Creep were all examples that I saw. Wow. So films like that don't have like a very strong plot line and, and are just more about like the characters and spending time with them. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily that they don't have a plot, but it is very character-driven. I think one big thing that characterizes it, in my mind, is the, like, naturalistic dialogue and performances. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Like, when I think of Creep or The Sacrament. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's kind of, like, a real-time feeling with it, like, you're in the moment with them, and, like, the pacing feels very, like, slow in real life, uh, realistic, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Mumblegore, that's really interesting. Yeah, I kind of hate that term, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I, I get accused all the time by my wife that I'm a mumbler, so that kind of hits <laughs> it's close to home. <laughs> oh, uh, but yeah, yeah. So speaking of genres, mumblegore. Uh, you said mumblegore or mumbler gore? Mumblegore. <laughs> mumblegore. Um, also, like very like throwback, right? Like '80s uh, vibes in this. Yeah, yeah. An homage to the '80s. It takes place in the '80s and. It sounds like the cinematography was meant to kind of mimic the way those films were shot, like 80s slasher movies. Yeah, yeah, right. Very on, on the nose with that. Um, would you put this in like a category of like babysitter films? Um, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. quite work out that way, but, but right. yeah. Yeah, kind of, kind of has got that vibe. Yeah, I feel like it has that premise, like to go in for it. Like she's got this babysitting gig, but um, then yeah, it's 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 a very low overlap, I think, with the other ones. Yeah. Um. Any, yeah. Any other genres you throw on this one? Oh, I don't really know. Cults, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Cults for sure. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, and there's a title card, or like, at the beginning of the movie, you see text that lets you know about in the '80s, seventy percent of people believed in. Like satanic, abusive satanic cults. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Pretty yeah. interesting. That was, yeah. That's kind of a funny, interesting stat. Because, uh, yeah, 70% uh, believed in cults and then 30% felt like there was a cover up there. So it just felt like they created these percentages to add up to 100. I, I don't know how serious you're supposed to take that opening or if it was just like kind of making fun of films that open with that kind of text. Yeah, I mean, it was like this is based on an unexplained story. Like, yeah. It, it's not really, but. It was just to put you in that mindset. Yeah. I, I felt like it was unnecessary there, but yeah, but same. that satanic panic is real. And the previously mentioned podcast stuff you should know has a great episode on it. So I would suggest anybody who's curious about that to do in your podcast player search for stuff you should know. Satanic panic. Oh, cool. Uh, you know, I'll check it's that really out interesting. Yeah, people were like put on trial for like doing crazy satanic stuff that just straight up wasn't real. Damn, this is like in the eighties. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Um, but yeah, to- totally cult Satan stuff going on here. Um, yeah. And then uh, in terms of the cast, uh, you had Jocelyn Donahue, which I, I really liked. I'm surprised we don't see her in much more. I, I didn't have a huge filmography. Um, did you yeah, recognize I'm surprised her? too. She was in Dr. Sleep, Insidious Chapter 2, but yeah, not a ton. Do you remember her in Dr. Sleep? Um, No, not really. Yeah, I can't even imagine if she was in that. She was... Um, Abra's mom, the little girl. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I remember Abra, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, pretty, pretty side character there. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom. And, uh, oh, go ahead. Tom Noonan was Frankenstein's monster in Monster Squad. Yeah, and I, I, I feel like I, I knew him from uh, RoboCop Two and Last Action Hero. Oh but, yeah. Oh my gosh, Last Action Hero. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was like Jack the Ripper or something there. Yeah. And then Greta Gerwig, that's a huge name, right? Yeah, she directed Lady Bird and Little Women. Oh, I didn't know she directed Lady Bird and Little Women. I thought she just acted. Yeah. That's amazing. 
Yeah. Have you seen Little Women? I know you saw Lady Bird. Uh, I didn't. I don't think I've seen either of those actually. Oh really? I thought you saw. <laughs> dude, you should check those out. They're both really good. They are. Yeah. Right. Right. That's what I've heard. Um, yeah. That, that's impressive because she's got a pretty small part in this film, and uh, I don't know how you felt about her character, but I, I never would have guessed like that was Greta Gerwig who would like go on to do this big stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Uh, this picked up a few awards. I think we kind of talked about, like, you know, there's been a big following behind this film, and then uh, it won Best Actress and Best Score at Scream Fest. Um, the whole film is shot in 16 millimeters, which I think you can tell, right? It gives it a kind of analog and old school feel. Yeah, it's almost a little bit grainy. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, and there is the cinematography in this movie I thought was really good, but there's a really cool article on it. Um, on the Nightmare on Film Street podcast. I'm just plugging a bunch of other other podcasts, but there's a podcast on Nightmare called Nightmare on Film Street, and they have a website as well with a whole bunch of articles. Mm-hmm. And there's an article there called Devil in the Details, Cinematography in the House of the Devil. Mm-hmm. I would recommend that to anybody who's interested in cinematography or who likes this movie. Damn. How do you keep up with all these podcasts? Um, I actually don't really keep up with that one, but I... I I just saw that article in my research and read it. Oh, nice. Okay. It's a really good article. Yeah. All right. That's an article. I'll check that out. Damn. I got to start taking notes on these. <laughs> uh, any other background on this one? Not really. I think I'm ready to hit the Ohio connection if you are. Yeah. Let's hear it. All right. So every episode, our friend Alex connects these movies to our home state of Ohio for us, and Alex owns the bar and restaurant called Jukebox in Cleveland, Ohio. You can swing by there for pickup for beer, wine, food, or you can hang out on their outdoor patio. And Alex says, The House of the Devil sounds like a horror flick I would actually enjoy. Alex doesn't actually like horror movies. Less horror and more Hitchcocky in suspense. Plus, the film is set in the 80s with plenty of music, pop culture, and set pieces to enhance the fun. There are some fun cameos with director Ty West playing a teacher and girls creator and star Lena Dunham as a 911 operator. However, the cameo likely missed was that made by former WWE star Derek Bateman, a.k.a. EC3, a.k.a. AKA Ethan Carter III, (laughs) who appeared in a non-speaking background talent role. The obscure wrestler was born Michael Hutter and hails from Willoughby, a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, cool. Damn. He had to dig for that one, I'm guessing. Yeah, I, that must be like the third or fourth sports reference he's brought to this podcast, which has been enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the only one that's going to do that. Maybe he just knows like we're so like uh, out of the loop on sports, he can just make this stuff up. <laughs> but no, nah, I'm sure it's legit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but damn, yeah, Willoughby, I know, I know that place. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't picture a teacher that Ty West was... I'm sure it was a tiny, tiny cameo. Yeah, yeah, he had a cameo in this, and uh, I feel like I remember seeing it, but then I couldn't find it when I went to look for it again. But okay. there's, there's yeah. a, I think Tyus is in there for a second. Um, all right, cool. Hey, one last thing before we jump into uh, the, the, the other stuff. Um, this is our first uh, review for October, which is the month of Halloween. Um, are you doing anything fun this month? Oh, boy. Um, probably not. Every Halloween, I've forced my wife to watch a horror movie, so I try to choose an easy one. I think I'm going to go with The Final Girls. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. That's and good. Uh, my kid loves it. Three-year-old, he's super into spooky stuff. I feel like I'm succeeding in training a horror fan, so we probably won't <laughs> do anything social, but yeah. he'll probably dress up and 
hang out around the house or I've, I've heard a cool idea is to do like a Halloween scavenger hunt in your yard. So we'll probably do that. Oh, nice. Nice. That sounds How about you? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I think Halloween's going to be very different this year. One one cool thing I heard about that's going on in the suburbs is like these drive-through haunted houses. Uh, so I was, I was going to check one of those out. Basically, you're, you're just like in the woods and people like jump out at your car or like come up to you or something while you're in there. So Yeah, uh, that's a good idea. And <laughs> like sneeze onto your hood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just spread it all over. <laughs> yeah. Now that sounds like a cool idea. I'll have to look into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll check it out. I, I was a little nervous because it's like 60 bucks per car. Uh, oh, wow. But then it's like, yeah, if that's like the one Halloween thing you're going to get to do this year, then, you know, why not? Yeah, that's true. Interesting concept. All right. Well, cool. We'll have to keep each other updated on these uh, episodes. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, do you want to get to the review and, and spoil the plot and, uh, and talk about our thoughts on the film? Let's do it. All right. Uh, before we do that, though, do you mind if I take a quick break? I just got to go to the bathroom really quick. Sure, man. All right. Cool. I'll be right back. Thanks. Hey man, I'm back. How did it go? Oh, it was, it was great. You know, I was, I was just feeling really stressed out about this episode, so uh, I like to go into the bathroom, turn all the faucets on, and just kind of cry myself on the toilet, and then <laughs> stare at the mirror and keep saying get a grip to myself over and over again. That, that usually <laughs> works. That's such a trope. Wouldn't everyone know with all the faucets on that, like, you're in there crying? <laughs> yeah, I know. Or, or or you're taking, like, like a monumental shit or something. Like, it doesn't look good either <laughs> way. There's nothing good you can be doing with <laughs> yeah. all the faucets on. I know, yeah. It's, like, worst case scenarios either way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not a great impression to give. Um, all right. Uh, so, yeah, let's dive into the plot here. Um, so, it's a pretty uh, straightforward and... and um, you know, not, not a very um, eventful movie, but it opens up with our main character, Samantha. Uh, we get a sense that she's struggling because she's looking at this apartment to rent and she's kind of stressed out about coming with uh, up with enough money for the first month's rent. Um, so then we there's a long montage of her, which I feel like a lot of the first half of the movie is like a montage, but uh, she's like dancing around campus uh, with her headphones on to some 80s music. Um, she comes across this job posting uh, for a babysitter calls the number and the guy on the other end uh, is, you know, sounds pretty desperate to meet her right away and like it's kind of an urgent urgent thing. Uh, so she agrees to meet him on campus, but he never shows up. What did you think of, of this phone call and, and the guy's uh, voice? The guy's voice is really creepy. Yeah, yeah. They nailed that pretty well. Yeah, I like it. Something about just a creepy voice over the phone is so simple but so effective. Like in uh, yeah. the original Black Christmas, remember that? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. But yeah. It, in this one, like, what was creepy? Like, he was just, like, like a very, like, soft-spoken uh, guy. Like, I don't even think he was, like, saying anything too, too disturbing or anything, right? Yeah, just a bit socially awkward, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds um, like... By the way, the woman she was renting that apartment from was Dee Wallace from The Hills Have Eyes and The Howling. Oh, cool. Um, did you recognize her? I didn't. No, I recognized the name in the credits, though. Oh, okay. Nice. All right, so uh, later that night, um, she gets a call, or her room, her roommate lets her know that that guy called back, and she calls him, and uh, he says that he's desperate for a babysitter that evening. She agrees to go. Um, 
she shows up at the house and her friend drives her there so they both are there they meet this dude he's like an elderly man named vincent uh he lets samantha know that the babysitting job isn't for a kid it's for his mother uh and he just refers to her as mother um so she's kind of put off by this and not sure if she wants to do it, but he offers to pay her 400 bucks for the nights, which she agrees to. Uh, 400 bucks probably was a lot of money back then, right? Yeah, for sure. I would imagine it probably near like 700 now. Yeah, yeah, for like one night of work, that's, that's pretty good. But if any like grown man calls his mom mother. <laughs> that's your warning sign. You get out of there. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you don't call your mother mother? I don't, do you? Um, well, I, I guess I call her mom. I, but yeah, I, I guess if I was talking to someone else about her, I would I would, I would, I would. I mean, even if he said my mother, but just to yeah. say mother, yeah. that's, that's a red flag. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I guess that's the weird part about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's like, it feels like, I feel like that hits a lot on like Psycho, right? Yeah. And, and other films there, yeah. Um, so, uh, Vincent and his wife heads out. She, the wife also meets Samantha and then there's some, uh, weird dialogue there. Um, they're headed out because this night there's this lunar eclipse going on, which they're really excited about. And, um, they're headed out to do something about that. Um, wh- what did you think of Vincent and, uh, the wife? I thought sufficiently creepy. Yeah. Yeah. It could. I was p- pleased with their understated creepiness. Yeah, I liked it. it. It was very understated. Like, it was a pretty normal conversation overall, but there was something, like, very creepy about it. Yeah. Oh, by the way, his wife was uh, Mary Warrenoff, who had roles in Chopping Mall and Night of the Comet and Devil's Rejects. Yeah. Wow. That's quite a quite a credit. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they head out. Um, Samantha's friend takes off after dropping Samantha off. Uh, she stops somewhere to, like, light a cigarette, and this guy comes up to her. Um, asks her if she's the babysitter and she says no and then this guy just shoots her um, so this is kind of like our first big kill and it happens like all of a sudden this t- this catch you by surprise yeah man I thought this was a shocking I remember thinking this was super shocking the first time I saw it and it really is it's just yeah. like nothing has gone on in this movie and then even if there had been a lot going on just the pacing of this it's just yeah so like calm and just normal and again that like naturalistic acting style and dialogue and then just all of a sudden he pulls out a gun and shoots her and her head explodes explodes yeah <laughs> all over the inside of the car yeah yeah that's that's a pretty brutal gruesome scene and yeah and yeah it was just like so casual and like unexpected it's as wild yeah i really like they pull the rug out from you and then you're just on edge the rest of the movie yeah, yeah. Um, where are we? Oh, okay. So yeah. Meanwhile, Samantha's at home. Uh, she orders this pizza that like the guy uh, who, who left the house like was telling her like, oh, if you get hungry, order this pizza. Told her that like ten times. So she finally orders a pizza. She dances around the house, which I really enjoyed watching her dance around the house. Did Did you like that? Yeah, it was kind of fun with her Walkman. Yeah, she's she's a good dancer. Good I like literally thought to myself, wouldn't it suck to walk around with a big rectangle in your pocket to hear your music? And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> we, we still do that. <laughs> still got that rectangle. Yeah. Yeah. That was a cooler rectangle, actually. I, I like those walkers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the 80s vibes here. And uh, yeah. Yeah. It just like even like leaving a phone number of a pizza place on the refrigerator. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And like the rotary phone where she has to like keep dialing the number. Yeah. Yep. That's that's yeah. Good good throwbacks. Um, 
So, uh, uh, oh yeah. So I, I think the fr- the first crazy thing in the house, uh, she's she's exploring all these rooms, which uh, I think is kind of weird. Uh, like you know, it's it's a pretty big house, and she's basically going room to room, just uh, exploring it. Um, we haven't seen the mother that she's babysitting. Um, were you kind of weirded out by the fact, like how at home she was making herself in this house? I think I mean she was such a like polite character, yeah, and, like very like small in the way in her like yeah not small like shy maybe reserved yeah shy and it was just a little out of character this right moment or 15 minutes 30 minutes of the movie where she's going up into every room turning on the light looking around she plays pool yeah yeah like dancing with her headphones blaring like god forbid the mom needed something right um yeah that was like my biggest beef with the movie actually i was just like this isn't this character like yeah yeah it doesn't make sense yeah based on everything we'd seen about her this far like she's very conservative in terms of like you know she's uh, focused on like how she can make money to move out and like live on her own responsibly and she just kind of like lets loose here on, on this babysitting gig that uh you're in like a stranger's house basically uh, right yeah it's, it's, it's surprising yeah um, but anyway, she, she does that. And, and one of the things she finds while going through this, these people's, uh, their, their items in their house, uh, she finds a photo which shows like this family standing in front of the house that's different than like Vincent and his wife and, uh, the same car though that she saw in the driveway. So I think we're, and then, and then we also see a shot of like one of the bedrooms that she hasn't been in and there's a murdered family, uh, on the ground or, or like three bodies on the ground. Yeah. Like on a pentagram. That's oh. etched onto the floor. Oh, I didn't notice the pentagram. Interesting. Um, yeah, so now we kind of know like there's something wrong with these people or they're, they're not who they say they are or something. Um, so uh, Astro Sheets, the pizza, which was also delivered by the guy who we saw murder the other, her friend previously, uh, she passes out. So I think the pizza was probably drugged. Um, when yep. she, okay, cool. When she comes to uh, Vincent, his wife, the pizza guy who's their son, and the mother who looks like this, uh, I don't know, just like a really scary looking woman, uh, have her tied to like this pentagram on the floor. And they're performing this ritual on her, which involves pouring blood on her through this goat skull. Uh, what, what did you think of this visual? I thought it was really cool. Like, And this whole movie like really takes its time with stuff. Yeah. And I thought the goat skull, like even this scene, which got like more all out brutal and horror-ish, they're holding this goat skull up to her mouth and you're just wondering like, what's going on here? And yeah. then this blood just slowly starts trickling down from it and goes straight into her mouth and it's yeah. just like, oh man. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was uh, done well. Like it was slow the whole time and then the, it hit hard here, but still paced everything well within this little sprint to the finish of the movie too yeah yeah i, I almost feel like uh you switch into a whole nother movie like just with this scene like she passes out she wakes up suddenly you're in like the satanic cult uh type film and yeah I, I i agree like the the whole thing with the skull was was pretty cool and visually well done yeah and as she was like approaching this attic space right before she passes out she pulls on a light bulb to like light her way up there and as soon as she pulls on it like all the power in the house goes out yeah so it was just a really cool scene as as we descend into this third act of the movie. Yeah, yep. Uh, and and that mother is like pretty freaky looking. I don't know. How yeah, they did that. yeah. I like want to say she has facial differences, but it, it's beyond that. It's like yeah, yeah. Something's not right. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so Samantha somehow is able to break loose uh, from the ties that are holding her, and she kills uh, the wife of Vincent. Uh, she, she she kills the son as well. Um, she's escaping the house, but she's starting to have these uh, visions in her head of the of the ritual, and she can see the mother in her head still. Um, yeah, so she, and hear her name being whispered to her. Oh, the mother was whispering Samantha's name. I don't. It was like a many voices whispering Samantha. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So something's in her head. Um, so she runs out of the house into like the cemetery, and Vincent follows her there. He's kind of injured, and he's trying to explain to her that um, he's just this messenger and that she's the chosen one, and she needs to accept uh, the devil. I'm assuming. Um, yeah. Yeah. So she, out of desperation, decides just to kill herself, and so she shoots herself in the head, um, which, yeah, I thought that came out of nowhere, too. That was pretty shocking. Yeah, that was, like, the other shocking gunshot of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, But then the movie ends with uh, her in the hospital, and there's a nurse that's, like, telling her that that she's going to be okay, and then she says, you both will be fine alluding to another possession potentially like being in her or is this one of those things where Samantha's going to get pregnant and give birth to the devil yeah she's got a she's got a baby in there oh okay okay yeah uh yeah and and we find out that the lunar eclipse that happened um scientists are struggling to find out why uh it ended abruptly like more abruptly than it should have so astronomers were involved in figuring out that. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This whole thing was taking place on a lunar eclipse. It was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we see that in the background. Uh, so yeah, what, what did you think? What would you like, didn't like about this movie? Uh, I really liked the pacing of it. It was like almost bad. <laughs> like it was really slow and sparse, but I felt like things would happen. Big things would happen at just the right time to keep you interested. Sure. Um, and I kind of like just being able to sit back and enjoy the movie and kind of look at it because the cinematography was really cool too. Oh yeah. Visually this, yeah. Very appealing. Yeah. Just like, I really did a good job of making you wonder what's going on in the house. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that this dude wrote in this article about the cinematography on there was, I think I've got a quote. Yeah. Okay. He says, a tenet of creating a sense of realism in fiction is that the audience should believe that the characters have lives outside of what we see. They continue to exist when we're not looking at them. Mm -hmm. And he uses this quote to support the fact that he thinks the house is like a character in the film. So, like, there's a lot to be done to let you know that, like, things go on in this house even though Samantha isn't looking at that room anymore. Like... You know, she she leaves a room and the camera lingers on that room even oh. when she's gone. Yeah. Um, kinda, kinda so you're very much aware that, like, more is going on in this house and, like, we yeah. know something has to be going on, but Samantha can't see it. And for the most part, we don't even see it until we see those bodies. Yeah. Which isn't until about an hour into the movie. Right, right. That's that's really interesting because uh, I I almost had the opposite feeling because you have a a, a girl a, or a woman in a a strange a stranger's house basically and it is like a big creepy house and so this article is saying uh, that the, the fear is coming from the camera just kind of like sticking out in a room versus like the idea where like I feel like in a more traditional movie you'd see like kind of more crazy scary things happening around the house like doors closing or a shadow moving in the darkness or something. But in this movie, they instead of doing that, they just linger the camera in, in rooms. 
Um, yeah, like I, they probably they don't do that a ton, but they at least do it once or twice. And I think yeah. just like sounds happening that we can't see or know the source of. Like, I don't think he's necessarily saying this is how you scare people, but yeah. this is what makes you feel like the house is yeah kind of got a life of its own interesting yeah now that you say that i think there were parts where like she would like hear something or like there'd be a thud or something yeah max peterson by the way is the guy who wrote this article to give credit where due yeah nice and um and and you felt like that uh carried you enough that you felt like there was something haunted or suspicious going on in the house yeah i mean it, it makes you afraid of the house it makes you it also kind of like something about the way it was shot reminded me of a video game like mm-hmm a Resident Evil type game where you go into a new space and you know something oh. is bound to scare you behind one of these doors or around one of these corners. Yeah, yeah. And it just kind of was like, okay, Samantha's got the run of the house and like we see all the places she could go and then watch her go to them one by one. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was kind of cool. But I, like I said, it did feel a little out of character for Samantha, but mm-hmm. um, in terms of like spooky movie-wise and, and visually appealing wise i liked that yeah uh, what did you think uh, i i agree with you like visuals uh, amazing I, I think the soundtrack also too helped to uh, really bring that vibe of like it's it really felt like you're watching something paying like great uh tribute to the 80s yeah um, you know uh it, it, i feel like from a pacing standpoint um you're right like you have that like murder happen like maybe wait, when when is that like first gunshot happen like an hour in is that what you said the first gunshot happens about 30 minutes in Oh, wow. That's a lot quicker than So I that happens pretty quick, but then, like, the people don't even leave their house leaving Samantha alone in the house until, like, 45 minutes into the movie. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Yeah, I feel like this movie has, like, just in general a lot of space. Like, that whole beginning, like, her wandering around campus, crying in the bathroom. Uh, there's just, like, a lot of sequences that take place in a very, like, real-time uh, type of feel. So it, it kind of goes very slow, Um and uh, I, I guess like when you're in a house like that, I would I would expect maybe we're just conditioned from like other horror films, but you always think like you know you got to watch the shadows because something's going on there, or, like some door's gonna close, or um, something like she's gonna leave room and come back and something's gonna be different. And none of that happened. And she's babysitting this uh, ent- this individual that like we never really see until like way late in the game. So I, I thought that was all like a very interesting departure from like a traditional babysitter uh, empty house kind of movie that we've seen before right it's true you really don't see like shadows or yeah something out of place that wasn't like that the last time she was in the room yeah um so yeah it's not the traditional spooky haunted house movie ghost story scares yeah yeah which i i think for me like kind of opened up uh, some pacing issues because that that first um first and second act you know before we get to the actual uh um ritual that was going on it, it did just just feel like pretty slow and empty and uh dialogue wise like i don't know if there was enough to keep it going but i did like the characters a lot like I, especially samantha like she, she was great and uh I, I thought like vincent and his wife were like creepy enough so th- those kind of interactions were cool but you, you don't feel like it, it dragged a bit i i can totally understand that i didn't really feel like it did and i do think occasionally movies like this with a lot of space like the way you put it i think that's super accurate Mm -hmm. they feel kind of good like i can just sit and unwind a little bit more that's true yeah it's like and actually think about what's coming into my brain yeah yeah like i've noticed if 
this is a bit of a tangent. If I'm like trying to relax before bed, if I read a book or something, I feel so much more relaxed at bedtime mm-hmm. than if I watch like two 30 minute shows with my wife. Cause it's like, I didn't really have time to think for myself. It was just all the stimulus coming at me. Yeah. 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 Right. So yeah, I like the space here. I, I don't always, that's not always the type of movie I want to watch, but it, yeah. it worked for me in this one. Yeah, yeah, you know, strangely, I, I kind of feel the same way. Like, I, I felt like it was very slow, but I, I really enjoyed uh, being in it, though, despite, like, nothing really substantial happening for a long time. Um, it, was, it was kind of a fun space to sit in. Yeah, I feel like it's just, like, a good movie to turn out the lights and just sink into the mood of it, because it's very yeah. moody and atmospheric. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Um, did you take issue with um, the fact that there were, like, literally four times where she's talking to herself saying, get a grip? <laughs> no, because that felt like something I would do. <laughs> really? You, you say that to yourself out loud sometimes? Get a grip. Come uh, on, Brian. I, I talk to myself every once in a while. But I think that she did, I think a good job was done of developing her character and making it feel like everything she did, except for the house roaming and with the like jam <laughs> session. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you bought into it. You saw her like struggling with money and like trying to figure out running this new place because her roommate sucked. Yeah. You see her like crying in the bathroom cause she's just like sick of her life situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I feel like she was very developed even though there wasn't a ton of dialogue. Sure. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think everything she did. Yeah. outside the dancing. You're right. It kind of felt in line with her. I, I just, yeah, I, I didn't realize people, talk to themselves out loud that much and, and to get a grip. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, this movie was like mostly just her on screen. Uh, yeah. Like 90%. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, did you okay. feel like it was kind of claustrophobic at all in this house? Um, yeah, sometimes actually. Uh, some of the rooms, like you, I, I think maybe just the way that the camera angle was, you wouldn't like see her like looking into a big room or anything. And for how big of a house it looks like on the outside, the rooms did feel a little smaller. What, is yeah. that what she thought? I didn't really th- notice it as I was watching, but the cinematographer, the article about the cinematography talks about how even when she's outside, like, yeah. uh, by the way, the cinematographer, what's his name? Elliot something. He like makes sure to frame her and like box her in into the frame. Like there's a tree branch above her and like a oh. row of bushes below her. So she's always like pinned in by something. That's pretty smart. Yeah. And then I think maybe even the first shot we see of her, she's in that place. She's looking to rent. Yeah. And she's like inside a doorway, inside another doorway. So like effectively in a tiny box. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. And he talks about how he shoots her like that quite a bit. Elliot Rickett as the cinematographer. He did Innkeepers as well. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a really cool perspective. Definitely. Yeah. uh, I'd be interested to watch the movie again. With that in mind. (laughs) Yeah. It's keeping her in a box pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, did you feel like this was like a very original film? I do feel like it was original. Um, even just like doing the whole like haunted house thing without any of the, uh, trickery. And this was a little bit before some of that trickery started to really get prominent in horror movies. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, it was for sure there, but what was the conjuring like 2012 or something? I want to say, uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And like, I feel like the conjuring and insidious and that kind of stuff really made this start to become super prominent so it's refreshing to see a haunted house movie that doesn't have any of that visual trickery in it yeah yeah that was cool it kind of tricked you into thinking like you're gonna see something like that but you didn't 
I feel like it would have felt more original without that piece at the beginning to tell you like, hey, there was this satanic panic because then it kind of reveals the movie's hand. Yeah, yeah, it kind of sets it off. Right, exactly. It's just why is that necessary? I mean, that's an interesting, shocking statistic to know that like everybody was bought into there being these violent satanic cults in the 80s that turned out to not exist at all. But (laughs) keep it out of the movie. Yeah, that really didn't add any value having that in the beginning. Um, but yeah, you're right. It, it is too, too revealing at the beginning. Um, I, th- I thought this movie hit more on like some of those classics like uh, Rosemary's Baby with like the, the cult and, and them trying to put the devil on her. Um, other like uh, the Amityville House of Horror. What? Amityville Horror? <laughs> <laughs> What's that movie called? <laughs> the Amityville Horror. The Amityville Horror. Uh, yeah, I, I thought this was like kind of like copying uh, pages from those movies. Um, yeah, I had those vibes for sure. Yeah, yeah. Though I guess I haven't seen Amityville Horror in a long time. But I think not enough to make it seem unoriginal. Amityville Horror is, you know, that kind of is uh, maybe an inspiration for that wave of movies we're talking about, like The Conjuring and stuff like that. That was much more of a traditional haunted house movie. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah. And, I mean, Rosemary's Baby, yeah, that, that may be a fair comparison. Yeah, like this cult trying to trap someone uh, to birth the devil. Yeah, that was a lot yeah. more psychological than this one, though. Yeah, yeah, right. But, but you know, I, I think what works in that one is is you do have, like, so many interactions, and it's just interesting. This movie's, like, mostly just her, and we're just, like, following her around this house. Um, right. In- interesting premise and, and take. Yeah, I mean, it's but, a very simple, understated movie, very direct. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Um, all right. Well, yeah. Overall, uh, how many goat skulls filled with blood would you give this one? I give this uh, four goat skulls filled with blood. Nice. I think, like technically, every level of this movie was great. Um, checked out a little, not checked out because it was fun to watch her like dancing around this house, but it was hard for me to reconcile that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really well done movie, and it like it's just perfect for what it is like. Sure. It's just a great spooky thing to put on. Even though it's got nothing to do with Halloween, I feel like it's a very good October movie to watch. It is, yeah, yeah. Great way to kick off the month. Yeah, how about you? Um, you know, I, I agree with everything you said, but I, I think I, I needed a little bit more in terms of like plot devices or twists or, or dialogue or, or character building. Um, so, yeah, it's as fun as it was to watch. I, I think I'd only give it three and a half. Um, but I, I agree, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and the music's great. The acting's really good. Uh, but it's also, yeah, kind of like just a drawn out, like being in a space, basically. Right, right. I kind of wish the sun had been a bit creepier. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. He's only on like, like, screen for like two minutes, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it worked because he ended up being like the guy who comes up to the car and helps her light the cigarette. So, yeah. But uh, I guess he couldn't be too creepy. <laughs> yeah, it would have been super obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, you're right. Like they, they could have hammed him up a bit more because he, he looks pretty average. Yeah, he was in uh, The Sacrament, The Signal, You're Next, Satanic oh. Panic, a bunch of stuff. Oh, cool. Wow. Yeah, interesting. A lot of the cast in this has a pretty long uh, history of horror films. Yeah, yeah. Not bad. Cool. Well, yeah, anything else on this one? Nope, that's all I got. All right, cool. I'm, I'm glad we uh, enjoyed uh, the first film of uh, the month of Halloween. It's good. Yeah, we have no idea what else we're going to do, so hopefully we'll pick <laughs> some good stuff. I know. We're going to the dark. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for our discussion on The House of the Devil. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show, and we always appreciate it. 
And thanks to everyone who's already given us a review. We always uh, enjoy hearing your feedback. Uh, if you want to join our discussion, you can find our social links at horrormovieclub.com or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We announce next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We also have a Discord server where we're chatting up with some other listeners and horror fans. You can find that link on our website. We have a Patreon page in case you want to throw some change our way and we have some bonus content on there. You can find that at patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. Our logo is by Amy Mae Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you're hard up for cash, uh, put the Walkman down and maybe try a lawn mowing gig before committing to a night of babysitting. <laughs> but don't watch Sinister beforehand. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>